All right, welcome in everyone. Can you believe it's already week five of the NFL and fantasy football season? And uh, the end of 2020 is uh, swiftly approaching as well. This is the In Between Fantasy Football podcast, your destination for both some feel-good fantasy football and life advice. If you're new to the show, I'm Seth Woolcock, the founder of the company, coming from you pre-recorded in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm joined by, by my bro Chacho, my amigo, my co-host Thomas Kuda. I'm also uh, I'm also joined by the Colorado kid Nate Polvote. Uh, and you know some special news coming at us today as well. Nate Polvote is going to be joining us full time here as a as a podcast co-host moving forward. So uh, instead of my usual "What's up, Tom?" I'm going to say "Tom, Nate, what's up, fellas?" Well, I, for one, am doing well, and I'm very excited that Nate is joining us full-time. This is going to be an absolutely incredible addition. I think we're going to have, like, a 100% better podcast now. I'm glad to be here, guys. It's uh, exciting, fun, and I look forward to doing this every week. Yeah, Nate, you did such a good job last week. We thought we had to bring you back in, and the more the merrier I was always taught. Uh Hey, you can find myself on Twitter at between underscore Seth FF, Tom on Twitter at Thomas Kuda, and Nate on Twitter at Janate Jack 2017. You couldn't have an easy handle, could you, Nate? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Make my life too easy trying to trying to say Nate pull vote on there. I have a pretty difficult. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you can find the site, uh, the show, everything we have going on over at In Between Media on Twitter at IBT underscore media. We have columns coming out Tuesday through Saturday. We got Sunday brunch, uh, a series of short videos to get you ready for the week on hitting you Sunday morning. And this podcast episode will be airing Wednesday and there every Wednesday as well. So, what do you think, fellas? Got a pretty pretty busy slate ahead. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. Uh, some new COVID positive tests around the league. Um, Dwayne Haskins getting benched, Tom. I know. I'm devastated. It's too soon. It's only four weeks. Yeah, it's it, it's it's tough out there right now. Uh, we're we're going to get into all this. We're going to dive into this. Uh, we're going to break this news for you shortly. Uh, Tom just broke the Dwayne Haskins news to me. Uh, might have cried a little, but we're, we're going to carry on here. The show must go on, as they say. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Blueberry, iHeart, and Deezer. Big fan of Deezer there. Uh, all right, let's, let's jump into this. COVID has hit the NFL, guys. Uh, we knew it last week. Cam Newton, obviously, tested positive after the show uh, was recorded last week on Saturday. So it didn't give fantasy managers a lot of time to prepare. They still ended up playing that game on Monday, Patriots, Chiefs. And now here we, we're getting some repercussions from it. Stephon Gilmore of the Patriots, their shutdown corner, uh, the best player on their defense by far. He has tested positive now. This is going to put uh, the Patriots and Nate, your hometown Broncos, This that's going to put this game in jeopardy. Uh, and it seems like there could be some repercussions as well in the Chiefs game. Uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders game as well this weekend. Gilmore testing positive. He just played the Chiefs. There's a lot of viral uh, photos going on right now about him hugging Patrick Mahomes. So with this in mind, guys, Tennessee, they had another positive test today as well. 
I think that kind of really jeopardizes this Bills Tennessee game. How are you approaching this, gentlemen? And and where's your mindset at knowing that with the Packers and Detroit Lions also on by this a quarter of the NFL we're talking about gone for Week Five? Well, it's pretty crazy, and waiver wires are already super thin. So losing these games and losing these players for the week, I mean, it's going to send people scrambling. Um, with this news, I haven't even had a chance to look at my rosters, and I'm terrified to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to be like one of those weeks where I know for sure at least one league, I'm basically just chalking an auto L, <laughs> hoping that I can just, you know what I mean, hoping that's not the difference between me making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, while we don't have all the answers for you right now, uh, stay with us throughout the week. Uh, Nate and I will be sure to keep you up to date on our social media channels. We're going to let you know what's going on with this. Uh, Sunday Brunch, tune into Sunday Brunch. We're going to have a series of videos coming out letting you know COVID, COVID impact, injury impact, all that getting you ready uh, with some start sits as well. So keep in mind, Tennessee, Buffalo, New England, Denver, the Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're, they're all in question right now. We don't have clear answers. However, we do have a lot of information about people who will be playing this week. So let's jump into that. We have a new segment we're going to unveil today, Temperature Check. Let's get rolling. Temperature Check. That's really spicy. Holy s***. All right, gentlemen. Our first Temperature Check contestant here, Joe Mixon. After three mediocre performances, Joe Mixon went off in week four, 25 for 151 and two on the ground, and six for 30 and one through the air, totaling a career high for him, 42.1 PPR points. Gentlemen, where are we on a scale of one to 10 on Joe Mixon moving forward for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, you already know my answer to this question. <laughs> I, uh, I have, I'm a Joe Mixon stand through and through. Um, like I, I think you know, I'm pretty sure if we roll the tape back multiple times this offseason, I said that he needs to get 20 plus touches a game, four or five targets every game through the air, and he'll just light it up. And this is the first game they've really just given him full run to just go off, and he did. I mean, yes. It's the Jaguars, but this was still, I think, a get-right game for him, a good chemistry-building moment for him and the team and Joe Burrow. And, I I mean, obviously I'm confident. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to go pop off for 25-152 or 151-2 and two every week, but I think this is the moment where they kind of remember that, you know, 20 touches a game is what he should be getting. Well, I think the big thing here – Burrow needs a run game. I mean, he's dynamic. He's got a great arm, but he's a rookie. And you can't saddle him with, I think week one, he had something, I think he had 60 attempts in the air. You can't do that to him. And I mean, it's either going to be Bernard or Mixon. Mixon is clearly the more talented back, and they just need to lean on him. They did it last week, and they won. And I think they have to continue to do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you here, gentlemen. I mean, Joe Mixon, he's a guy... When they give him carries, when he has a successful game, they win. We saw that dating back to the end of last year as well. So on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm probably about a 7. Like If I'm a Joe Mixon owner, which I am in, in a lot of my leagues, a lot of my really competitive leagues, 
I'm holding on to Joe Mixon, not looking to trade him, but I'm willing to listen to offers as well. If someone's really buying into that recency bias and willing to offer maybe an Alvin Kamara or a Dalvin Cook, you know, something paired with that Joe Mixon to get one of those guys, I would probably do that. Where are you guys on that? Um, I think I, I land right around there, seven, eight. My confidence level is pretty high. I'm probably not entertaining offers yet. Just I'm confident that like down the stretch, he'll be what the team needs to really lock away a season and like win games. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think six, seven for me, maybe a little bit leading a little bit lower. I want to see it happen again. I want to see that this wasn't just a one game fluke where they decided to use him because the matchup was great. And then next week they go back to Burrow throwing the ball 50 times. Well, well, it's going to be a tough one over the next two weeks for Joe Mixon, Ravens and Colts, two of the better defenses in the league. So, uh, you have to think the Bengals are going to be trailing Baltimore a little bit on Sunday. Uh, hopefully, Joe Mixon, that me- means he'll be involved in the passing game. We will see the week after he has a number one defense, the Indianapolis Colts. So I am entertaining offers. Uh, Tom, I'm with you. I do believe in Joe Mixon. I would hate to, to, to let him go after this is something we saw. And, and, and this is exactly, I think, what you and I and I think Nate even coming into the season really expected that Joe Mixon has this type of ceiling. And his floor, ha- he's had a couple bad games, but his floor has still been at least eight-ish, six to eight-ish points. Like, it's not like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it has been disappointing so far, but yeah, you're right. He does have an okay floor. At least going forward, it seems like it should stay pretty consistent and steady. I was going to say something I think we need to remember, too, is we're just now getting into week five. We didn't have a preseason. So we're going to see some of these guys who were have been less than stellar through the first four weeks kind of explode, I would think. I think Mixon might be one of those guys. Another one of those guys, gentlemen, I think is Kenyon Drake. He is RB35 after just 3.5 fantasy points last week. Uh, that's in PPR leagues, too. And Kenyon Drake has been a back who's, who's known to be able to catch the ball pretty good. Uh, he was a first round pick or uh, a late first or early mid to second in a lot of leagues, I would say, in, in your standard redrafts. Um, it, gentlemen, is he the is he the David Johnson of this season? Where are you at with Kenyon Drake on that scale? Um, I think that things are not looking good for him. Like I'm definitely fully comfortable hitting the panic button here. I'm really happy that earlier this year when we talked about him, we really hedged our bets. <laughs> and he might not do so hot. Um, I mean, his utilization in the passing game has been abysmal. Like, I'm shocked at how little he's been used there. He's not been great running either. Like, I think this is just one of those opportunities where he's kind of blown his shot a bit, and he's going to force the team to look more at Edmonds, which I'll, I'll talk about later. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a big. I was. I've never been a big fan of Kenyon Drake. I didn't like him in Miami. Um, part of that could have been the Gase effect, but I don't. I just don't like him in Arizona either. I don't think he's a back who can be your RB one. I think Edmonds is starting to emerge as that guy. We saw that this weekend. Edmonds just appears to be the better runner and the better option. Oh, man, it, it it's tough because. I came into early in the offseason, I, I think Tom and I talked a little bit about Kenyon Drake, and he was someone on my, my first my first offseason start sit column. He was he was someone I wanted to draft. And as the offseason progressed and his ADP started sliding into that 
back end of the first, early second, it was too high for me. I, I didn't think he belonged in the same range as people like Nick Chubb and Mixon and Austin Eckler who have proven it. Uh, however, with that being said, gentlemen, I, I think this is this is a time if you're going to buy low on Kenyon Drake, now is the time. Cliff Kingsbury, if you remember back, I know it's hard, it seems like so much has happened in the last year, but if you remember back after the first four weeks, he changed that offense. He stopped using uh, you know mediocre players. Like I love Keyshawn Johnson. I think he's a solid player, but he is kind of mediocre. He stopped using more of those guys, the Demir Birds, and started kind of just using... Uh, his best weapons, and I think that's what's going to happen here. It, right now, you can get Kenyon Drake for pennies on the dollar, and and I think I'm at like a cool four. Like, I still see it. Like, yes, maybe maybe there's a chance he doesn't do what I, I think he can do in this back half of the season, but I think he still could finish as an RB two, like a middle of the road RB two, and. I don't know. It, it sounds pretty good for the price, I feel like, right now. And the Jets are coming this week. And you've got to think that's a get-right game. Yeah, I think the Jets are a get-right game for every team at this point. I mean, it, this week he might not be. If you could buy him low, a one-week buy to see how he does against the Jets. I mean, everything's so thin. I'd bite on that. But outside of that, I don't think I'd want him. Oh, what? I, I wouldn't even buy low. Tom, Tom, are you are you buying low? Uh, I think he's like I don't know. I, I'm at like a three on the scale. You were hot on Kenyon for a minute this off season too. I know. I will remember. I'm glad that I traded him in Dynasty after he popped last year because yeah. I'm. I don't know. I like. I agree. If I can get him for literal nothing, like I'm talking like we're looking at somebody who, you know, I don't know. I might be benching like that I'm just never going to play and I I might drop in a couple weeks and I could trade that for him maybe, but I don't know. I, I'm mostly avoiding like the plague. We'll touch more on this. We got to keep moving. Uh, another disappointing player this season, DJ Moore. He was a third round pick in most drafts, if not third, fourth round pick. Now three of his four games have come under double digits. He's at least scored eight fantasy points in every game. So he hasn't really left you hanging, but this isn't what you wanting to invest in when you put a third or fourth round pick into him. He had, he plays Atlanta this week, boys. Where are we at with DJ Moore? Um, DJ Moore is definitely another person that I'm I'm kind of fading on. Um, I, I mean, you know, my strategy is generally rounds one and two are running backs, and then round three I'm looking for a wide receiver. So if I'm paying, you know, a third round price and he's ostensibly like my wide receiver one, I'm incredibly – incredibly disappointed um unfortunately i guess sometimes if you pay that price though you're probably not getting rid of him and you're just gonna hope that he builds some kind of rapport with teddy bridgewater but i, I just think that like it's not been the same for him since um since bridgewater came on like i just don't think there's that chemistry between them for him to be the one there well i think robbie anderson has clearly emerged as the number one wide receiver there um, and Mike Davis filling in that CMC role has been huge. He's looked phenomenal. And it just seems to be leaving more out in the cold. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if I would have told you coming into the year that we'd be sitting here after week four, Robbie Anderson would be wide receiver nine, DJ Moore would be wide receiver 31. Uh, you would definitely be shaking your head. And maybe, again, maybe this goes back to the Adam Gase effect. Maybe Robbie Anderson was always this type of caliber player and he just never really had either A, a quarterback to support him 
or B, just in a system that supports him. Uh, I'm worried about DJ Moore. I'll, I'll be honest. I have a lot of DJ Moore shares out there, and, and the teams I have DJ Moore, I am not doing that well. Those are my worst teams. So I'm panicked. Uh, I think Robbie Anderson, he's come on. Uh, he has 34 targets to Moore's 32, so the volume's pretty consistent. However, he has 10 more receptions. He seems to have more of be more in sync with Teddy Bridgewater than him and uh boys if you can kind of sell low on on DJ Moore are you doing it because I, I know I am yeah I'd sell him I, I'd sell him right now if you've got him I'd take anything viable for your bench yeah I like if I if I'm looking at trading for like another piece somewhere else he's certainly like I'm hoping to maybe just cash in on the name value and you know spice up a trade but yeah i definitely don't want to keep i don't think well that was temperature check uh let's keep moving forward here boys uh let's get to some in the scope i have the targets in my sights requesting permission to engage in the scope all right so for in the scope keep in mind these are players that necessarily probably weren't big waiver claims this week that you can still probably go out there and grab uh, on your free agency uh, before we hit this week, which is, is going to be a wild one. You're going to need some plays moving forward here. Tom, why don't you kick us off? All right. So for me, I'm taking a look at Chase Edmonds right now. Um, we were talking about Kenny Drake earlier, uh, really fading him. Um, now, Chase Edmonds, he hasn't gotten the touches. Like We haven't seen him start to really take the reins away from Drake there yet. But what he has taken away from Drake is the passing game. So far, Drake only has um, five receptions through four games to Edmonds, 17. So it's clear that he's developing a solid floor in this passing game with Kyler Murray. Like he's the guy that they're throwing to right now and conceivably for the rest of the season. Um, He's also got himself 30% snap share in the offense which is, it, it's okay, but it can only go up from there, you know, especially since Drake right now, he's not making a lot out of the touches that he's getting. He's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. He's only got one touchdown. Um, if he keeps up, like, his poor performance and Edmonds keeps looking as good as he has, I just don't see a world where he doesn't get the chance to get the ball more often and just show that he can – you know, carry the offense as far as the run game's concerned. So he's definitely somebody that I'm picking up anywhere I can get him this week. I'm probably not going to play him this week. I probably just want to sit and see how things shake out um, just to see where the team's confidence on Drake is. But um, Chase Edmonds is definitely somebody that I'm looking to hopefully have worked into my um, team regularly as he improves. People people are hot right now on Edmonds. I personally, Tom, I – I think he's a good pickup, and I think he I think he really is the definition of an in-the-scope because he's a guy who I think down the road has some promise. But I think both these running backs do down, down the promise. It's not so much that I think Kenyon Drake, I know we just talked about this, so I don't want to harp on it again, but I, I still think Kenyon Drake has some juice left. I think we're going to see it. Um, I think Chase Edmonds, my, my only concern with him is I feel like he doesn't have the quite ceiling that some of the other players out there on the on the wire do right now. Um, I I could definitely see that, Uh, you know, he's definitely more somebody that I'm just hoping will solidify like uh, 
10 to 12 points every game. And even if he never, you know, cracks off a 20 plus point game, that's somebody that, especially right now with all the COVID stuff and like players just missing time so regularly, I'm more than happy to plug him in my flex and just let him, you know, make sure that that's a spot that I can count on. Well, I mean, I think of that offense, if he's going to emerge as the RB1 over Drake, which it kind of seems to be trending that way. I don't know that there's a ton of touches for him. Um, in PPR, I'd probably be a little bit hotter on him if he gets involved in the passing game. But everything's so strange this season, and waiver wires are so thin. I mean, I think he's a solid play, depending on matchups, depending on the week. Any any last words on, on your boy, Tom, before we move forward here? Um, eh, No last words, I suppose, other than just that my confidence level remains high that he'll – He'll bump up his share and yeah, start to more. It's it's a good one. It's a good one because it probably won't cost you too much to get him, and you can ride with him. So yeah, it, it, it's not a bad play, Tom. Uh, another person I don't think is going to be a bad play moving forward is Damian Harris. That's my in the scope target here heading into Week Five. If you're playing in any league with me, I'm sorry, he's not out there. I have him. I've had him all year in a bunch of leagues on IRs. He's only owned in about 34% of leagues right now. Uh, as far as ESPN leagues that, that goes. And uh, 17 for 100 on the ground last week. Sony Michelle, his guy, uh, he's going to be on IR for a while. I, I'm hunting Damian Harris if I don't have him. I want him. Sure, I think Cam's going to steal some of these goal line uh, touches here, some of these goal line touchdowns. I think he's going to have a rushing baseline, and I want to see what he can do in the passing game. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He kind of reminds me of James White a little bit. Um when James White was a little bit younger or Dion Lewis even. And I think there's a high upside with him. And right now you can buy him pretty low. I don't think there are a lot of people that are super hot on him. Maybe a little bit more now that Sony Michelle is on IR, but yeah, I agree with you. I think if you don't have him, you should be hunting. him. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love what we're seeing from Damien Harris. Now that he's back and healthy, like I know it's just a one game, but I think he perfectly fits what Bill Belichick wants to do, which is continue to minimize his need to have like the prime Tom Brady to play. Like he has an amazing defense. All he needs to do is score a couple of times, get out in front and then just grind the clock out. You know, we've seen him do that for the last few years now. And Damien Harris is a perfect way to do that. Just let him run, let him rack up yards. It's, I think that, you know, if you can get him, if you aren't one of Seth's leagues, go get him. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, gentlemen. Maybe next year. Maybe next year he can be yours. But yeah, so 17 carries in his first in his first game in a Bill Belichick offense. Bill obviously trusts him moving forward. So do I. Nate, why don't you round us out here with uh, one last in the scope target? Well, I love Lavishka Chanel. I don't think this has been a secret. If you follow me on Twitter, I am pounding <laughs> the table for him. Uh, loved the guy. Loved him in college, which I'm a little biased. I'm a really big CU fan. And he did his time at CU and just watching him play at CU, he was so dynamic. And I knew this guy was going to be good in the NFL. Um, and he's he's all over the place in that offense. Um, he's getting roughly 55 to 70% snap shares throughout the season so far. Last two weeks, he's had six targets, which given all the other options in that offense you've got Keelan Cole you've got DJ Chark you've got D.D. Westbrook for him to be pulling those targets as a rookie I think is a big deal and speaks volumes to how Minshew feels about him 
Um, let's see here. So in PPR, his ceiling so far has been 17 points. They're going up against Houston this week, and we all know how bad that team is. Yeah. I would expect him to probably break 20 points this week. Um, I'd be buying him everywhere I can. I mean, I just think he's such a great buy. I think he's so underrated, and I don't get it. Still don't get it. He He's out there in so many leagues, too. Like, I got him in a 12-team PPR league today. Super competitive league. I got him for free. Didn't he have to put in the claim? Gone for free, but... Are you worried because I feel like I've seen this play out before. I feel like he could be a guy who has maybe a decent week or two. Uh, you know, he's a consistent player, but his bye week's coming up, I think, in two weeks. So are you holding him through through his bye? Absolutely. I think he's only going to get better. I think as he kind of gets used to the offense, continues to build the rapport with Minshew, he's, he's just going to get better. And this is a team that we all thought was going to be so terrible this year. And they've actually turned out to be somewhat decent. And I think Chenault's going to be a big part of that. If they want to win, they're going to have to use him. Tom, any any thoughts on LaVisca? Yeah, um, I, I definitely don't have any, like, beef with LaVisca or anything. I think he's a good <laughs> I I always – I'm so hesitant. I feel like I'm, like, the one person who sees gadget players. And I'm, I'm like, eh. I, I just don't know. I don't know what yeah. it is that type of usage for me where it's like not manic, but kind of like he's drawn up into special plays and stuff, but it's like the, the games where those special plays don't work or when you play like a highly disciplined defense, like, I mean, Bill Belichick's not going to take that crap. Like he'll, he'll watch the tape. He'll see what kind of gadget plays they're running with LaVisca and he'll shut that down. Like no problem. But that being said, his usage has been good. I mean, six targets the last two games, um, for the two before. Like, if he gets six targets every game, like that's the kind of floor that I like to watch. And he's good when he's got the ball in his hands too, which I can't get away from him. Like, he seems on the better side of of gadget players. Like, I don't think he's going to end up like Taysom Hill, where he's like fun to watch. <laughs> Doesn't really do anything for fantasy. But I, I'm I don't know. I just hesitate when it comes. I gadget. Yeah, Tom, and I think that's a super valid concern. Honestly, that was kind of my my concern is, and I'm I I've been a Tariq Cohen truther since you know the, the minute I saw that guy play. I thought he was one of the funnest players to watch in the NFL. And uh, now though, like I, like I've had Tariq Cohen on teams for a couple of years now, and I've played him in in championships and in the playoffs just because I've more or less been forced to. And, and he always kind of lets you down at some point. So like. Nate, are you worried that like that bottom bottom end could kind of fall out from Lavisca at some point? Uh, a little, a little, um, but I'm not concerned enough to sell him. Yeah, I mean, other other than DJ Chark and and Robinson, he's probably the guy to have in Jacksonville. So, I I like the pick, Nate. And uh, why don't we throw out a just uh, two quick hit hits right now, guys? Uh, players that people can find on their free agency most likely. Robert Tanyan, he's going to be tight end two going into week five. He'll be on a bye this week. However, he's still available in 60% of leagues. He had a big three-touchdown game in week four. Uh, and, and also Gronk, gentlemen. Uh, O.J. Howard, he's out for the year with an Achilles. He, Gronk is tight end 36 on the season. Only one nice game so far. Where where are you? Uh, are you picking up either Robert Tanyan or Gronk real quick? 
I jump on Tanyan before Gronk. However, with OJ Howard being out, I mean, we could see a rekindling of the Brady Gronk connection. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me that much. And if Arians is smart, he should at least try. Um, I, I agree with Nate. Um, definitely taking Tanyan um, over Gronk. I, I don't know. I, Arians has been very non-committal to Gronk. Like, with like two weeks ago, he came out and said that he sees Gronk as a defensive, like as a blocker. You know what I mean? Like he didn't seem interested in using him as a pass catching tight end for now. But last week he said that he wants to get him more involved. So he's kind of flip-flopped on him himself. And I mean, with OJ out, he, he's going to have to do something with him, at least try. But I'm just not confident until I see it, until I see Arians move away from that statement of he's primarily a blocker. I'm not ready. Well, yeah, I agree with that, Tom. The one thing that I – I'm curious about Connor Brate and what that's going to do to Gronk, but I can't see them going to Brate before they try and go to Gronk. Yeah, Cameron Brate's always just been that guy in the background. He never gets he never gets the start of the season, and then OJ Howard or whoever else their tight ends have been over the years always gets hurt a couple weeks in, and then all of a sudden there's some Cameron Brate whispers out there, and the the truthers sl- slowly crawl out of their cave that they've been in for the last nine months and. Here we go again, boys. Here we go again. All right, and uh, why don't we round out the show with uh, some sure things, sleepers of the week. It's the sure thing. Sleepers of the week. All right, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a big limb here. Evan Ingram. And let me explain. He is leading the team in targets. He's leading the team in catches in New York right now. Darius Slayton leads in receiving yards, but is I think he is one target behind and two catches behind where Ingram is. And this is a big week for New York. They're playing Dallas, big division rival, and Dallas can't cover tight ends. They just can't. Um, this is the time for Ingram. Obviously, the rapport is there with Daniel Jones. It's just I, I've kept him rostered where a lot of people have it, but I keep waiting for that break, breakout week, and I think this is his week. It's a depleted team. It's a depleted team. There's not a lot of talent there all of a sudden. Uh, Daniel Jones likes to go to Evan Ingram. So far, it just seems like defenses, defenses have kind of been keying in on that. Uh, Daniel Jones has had a lot of ugly interceptions, a lot of ugly misses on Ingram. But I do agree, Nate, if there's a week to fire up Evan Ingram, it's here in week five. Great call. Um, so I'm not, I've never been like traditionally the biggest fan of Evan Ingram just because he's been a little inconsistent. But I think this year, like looking down around the tier he's sitting at right now, he's, I agree with Nate that he's probably got the best chance to just pop off and go hard this week. Um, Dallas has been awful covering tight ends. Um, so this might be a time where maybe I'm plugging my nose a little to play, but I do I do think there's going to be a lot of people who need to fill in spots, and he's probably the one that I'm most comfortable with of them. Okay, and Tom, why don't you give us your sure thing sleeper of the week for week five here? Um, my sure thing sleeper of the week is uh, – David Johnson. So Bill O'Brien, obviously big news, got fired, <laughs> which, you know, you know, you could see it coming, I guess. <laughs> he 
made the greatest decisions lately. Um, now, I guess the reason that I say normally my confidence level would be like through the floor after right after losing the head coach and everything. But in this case, uh, the Jaguars seem to be, you know, a team that's provided some get right games for running backs like Joe Mixon. I mean, he absolutely went off on them last week. Um, the Texans really need to start getting their offensive pieces to click, get them confident. DJ should be like the number one producing piece on the offense. And I think that they will want to get him an opportunity to just kind of show that off, to get him comfortable to say, you know, this is this is what our team's going to be going forward, and DJ's a major part of that. Um, so far, he's been okay. He's had 51 touches for 197 yards and two touchdowns through four games, which puts him at 3.4 yards per carry, which is pretty not great. Um, he's got nine catches for 100 yards and no touchdowns through the air. Um, so he hasn't been utilized, I don't think, to like his fullest potential in the passing game either. But I do think that this week will be um, much like Evan Ingram, uh, where, you know, you haven't been starting him out with confidence. But I think that this time the situation just lines up perfectly and he has the opportunity to really go out there and, and make himself a solid contributor to the offense. Well, obviously, I agree. Um, and I think it's something to be noted is with Romeo Cornell taking over there, Romeo Cornell in his one head coaching stint in Kansas City, he ran the ball a ton. And I can't see them not doing that. They're going to have to lead on David Johnson for that, for sure. David David Johnson has been a player, like you said, Tom, he maybe has underperformed a little bit with, you know, I think the usage is there, though. He's averaging over 15 carries per game. He's averaging at least a couple of receptions a game. Still not where we want to see him uh, after that first week one performance where it was pretty nice. But I think, like you said, I think this could be the get right game. Jacksonville has not been great against the running backs. Joe Mixon, uh, Derrick Henry both had some of their best games of the season against him. So I'm with you here. And how many times have we seen when a, when a head coach gets fired, uh, the interim just comes in and pounds the ball. And Nate, like you said, Romeo Cronell is that guy. He's that dog. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point, too. The, I didn't even think about – I didn't know um, his background was like hammering the ball home. I mean, I know he hadn't coached much before. Um, so hopefully I remember, I, I remember old Romeo, I remember Romeo back from the Browns days. Does anyone remember that? I do. I do. Had like Jamal Lewis and just some big thumpers back then too. All right, gentlemen, speaking of a thumper running back here, Jarrett McKinnon, he's going to be my sure thing sleeper of the week heading into week five here. Yes, Raheem Mostert is probably going to be returning, but McKinnon, in addition to being a great feel-good story for the NFL, uh, coming back after just two seasons of, of not even touching the field due to injury, uh, he's in line right now for the comeback player of the year in my book. He's RB10 in fantasy football as well. Now, he's going to have a great matchup here in Week 5. He gets the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Chris Carson just had a nice game against them. James Robinson went over. 30 points on Thursday night football in week three against them. In week one, the Patriots had three rushing touchdowns against the Dolphins. Uh, if there's a time to keep starting Jarrett McKinnon, it's now. I think he's going to be a great play season long. I'm interested in acquiring him if I can. And I think this week, 
uh, against a Miami team that really just hasn't clicked yet. I think Jared McKinnon and George Kittle are going to kind of do their things once again here in week five. Yeah, I love McKinnon. I've got him, I think, in three different leagues now, and he's been consistent. And I think we're getting what we wanted to see out of him back in his Minnesota days before he got hurt. And now that he's healthy, he is that guy. And San Francisco needs that guy. And especially their wide receiver core has been just decimated. Um, They've got Kittle back, but they're using McKinnon out of the backfield. He's getting a lot of of tosses. I think he's just a phenomenal play, especially against Miami. I totally agree. McKinnon is definitely like – like a personally, I just love everything about what's happening with him. I was so happy when he got paid and then so sad when he got injured. It's it's really been awesome to see him like just you know pop back in and start to crush it again. And I think you're right. I think you know this game against Miami is just another cake for him. Yeah, he's he's still being disrespected a little bit in industry rankings. I think outside of the top 24 running backs, maybe that shifts a little bit now with some of these COVID situations going on. But I like him here in season long if you're playing him this week and. DFS, I think he's going to be a nice play as well. Uh, he might also make the uh, DFS open, the open-ended DFS column today. So make sure you guys check that out. Make sure you check out everything we have going on here in between media, gentlemen. It was a it was a fun first one as a trio. What do you think? Loved it, man. Great time. Yeah, this has been a blast. All right. Well, thank you as always uh, for more life and fantasy sports advice. You can find us on Twitter at IBT underscore media. Find us on our website as well at inbetweenmedia.com. Take care, everyone, and good luck in week five. We'll be back next week to get you through another one. It's the short thing. Sleepers of the week.